Welcome to the Holistic Beauty Podcast. We are going to chat all things holistic and integrative beauty and skin health. We are licensed naturopathic doctors practicing in sunny California, and we are changing how skincare is looked at. We want you to understand that skin health is a manifestation of balance from within. And each week, we are bringing you tidbits to complete your skincare routine from the inside out and the outside in. So let's get into it. So just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is not medical advice and is only meant for educational purposes. None of the information is meant to treat, cure, prevent, or diagnose any conditions or disease that you may have. So please speak to your doctor or licensed healthcare provider before starting anything new. It is episode four of the Holistic Beauty Podcast, guys. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey. So today we're going to be talking about a really cool topic. It is going to be about neurotoxins, botulinum toxin. Yeah, a.k.a. Botox. A.K.A. Juvo? No, I don't know. Neuromodulators. Neuro, oh, neuromodulators. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I you. Kinda, thank you. Yeah. I was like, where are you trying to lead me <laughs> to? I don't know. But, All good answers though. Uh, thank you. I'm just really excited for this episode because we are going to be covering about um, neurotoxins, of course. We're going to be talking about what they're used for. We're also going to be talking about the different types of neurotoxins. So I already spoke about Botox and Juvo. That's what it's called, right? But there are mm-hmm. some other ones too that we're going to be talking about. We're also going to be talking about some myths behind Ugh. neurotoxins. Yeah. So there's a lot of ish that you will see on social media and we're going to be laying down the facts, okay? And then we're also going to be talking about how do neurotoxins actually fit in naturopathic healing philosophy? Because a lot of people get really confused, like, hey, you're a naturopathic doctor. Why do you use Botox or um, neuromodulators mm-hmm. or neurotoxins? And mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about that. But first things first, I got Botox for the first time. I know. I was so surprised when you texted me telling me that. I was, like, I was so scared. Yeah. I was just like, I'm a, so guys, I am afraid of needles. Even though like I am the needle doctor at our clinic, I hate getting needles on my body because <laughs> I don't know, it just scares me. But when I got the Botox, it was actually non-painful. I was surprised. Yeah. It's a super tiny needle. Yeah. It's so tiny. Did they numb you up or no, use ice or anything? No, they didn't even numb me up. What they did was they put like this like vibrating thing oh, on yeah. me mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called and then that basically like made me think about the vibration and not really like them poking me I didn't mm-hmm. know when they were poking me at all it was really cool nice and did you get Botox cosmetic or Xeomin oh it was Botox cosmetic get? yeah okay and I got it done on the forehead and I was like is this gonna last forever and what did you get treated so it was basically for it was like a VIP med spa event and they were doing things to lift the eyes, honestly. So it was for another oh, product. Upneak, right? Yeah, it's for Upneak. And then for that event, they also did some Botox to just like enhance the effect, you know? So they put a little in your forehead? They put forehead and then, so they put it like in the middle of the forehead oh, yeah, and then the glabellar area between the eyebrows. Uh, and then they also did some on the sides of the eyes. Oh, okay, your crows. <laughs> yeah, the crows. Yes. And it was pretty cool. Like like what I said, I was really surprised by how non-painful it was because mm-hmm. I thought the needle was going to be painful. So that's my experience. Um, behind it. Awesome. All right. Let's dive into neurotoxins, my friend. Yeah, let's get started. Okay. So what are neurotoxins? Yep. So neurotoxins are botulinum toxin and it works by basically, this is a really simplified version, but it blocks acetylcholine from binding to the receptor Mm -hmm. so that it can't tell your muscles to contract anymore. So it results in muscle weakness. Yeah. So from what it sounds like is that the acetylcholine is basically the compound that one neuron sends to another to cause muscle contraction, right? And then the Botox blocks that. 
Pretty much. Okay, cool. Kind of makes sense now. <laughs> sure. I was just like, wait, 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 what? Okay, cool. And there are different types of stereotypes, right? Like there are different types of flavors of Botox uh, or botulinum <laughs> toxin. I don't like that word, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it all has to do with like the genetics of it. And there's mm-hmm. different clostridial strains mm-hmm. associated with the different stereotypes. Yeah. So pretty much for medical and cosmetic purposes, we only use stereotypes A and B. I hear you. But there's stereotypes A through G. So, yeah, but I don't need, I rarely see serotype B pretty much the only ones in the U S that like we mainly use are Mm -hmm. serotypes A that are FDA approved for use. Yeah. when I was doing some research for this episode, I saw there was like a one, a something, there's always like a number afterwards. So I do see a lot of like type A, um, or serotype A, um, available in the market. Yeah. Um, And there's only one like serotype B that's mm -hmm. FDA approved for use. It's called myoblock. Oh, interesting. But I'm like, a lot of people don't don't use that. Yeah, I've never heard of it, honestly. So what are your toxins used for? Yeah, so we can use them cosmetically and medically. So starting with medically, what's FDA approved is used for chronic migraines, mm-hmm. cervical dystonia, blepharospasm, strabismus, hyperhidrosis, urinary incontinence, Fascinating. which is pretty neat, and hemifacial spasms. Mm-hmm. So cosmetically, we use it basically to help soften fine lines and wrinkles. Okay. But other things that can be used for, it can help treat hyperhidrosis, which is excessive sweating in the armpits, your forehead, hands, and scalp. You can also use it for gummy smile, for uh, masseter hypertrophy or like jawline slimming to help Mm -hmm. make or shrink that masseter down pretty much because it's atrophying because you're not being able to use it once you inject it. It's weakened. What else can we use it for? There's so many things. There's a thing called a Nefertiti lift, which is where you inject the platysma bands Uh and it kind of helps give a snatch and jawline because it relaxes that. That's so cool. Yeah. And then, so a lot of people are really curious about this. They always ask this, especially like when I told you we were about to do like a neurotoxins episode or neuromodulators episode. When do neurotoxins take into effect and how long do they last for? Yeah, so neurotoxins, it takes up to 14 days for it to kick in. And this varies. It's like really two to 14 days. And I know that Dyspor, they apparently it's known for kicking in really fast. Interesting. But I start to notice Xeomin kick in. Like you guys, I... The only neurotoxin I work with at my clinic or the clinic that I work at is mm-hmm. Xeomin, just because as a naturopathic doctor, that's what I feel most comfortable offering and getting myself. Mm-hmm. But we can, we'll talk more about that when we talk about the different Botoxes available. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it takes up to 14 days, but this could kick in sooner for some people, or it could take that full 14 days for some people. And then how long does it last for? It can last for about three to four months. I know mm-hmm. that the American board of cosmetic surgery said that it can last anywhere from three to six months, but mm-hmm. what have you seen in office? Yeah. Like three to four months. Gotcha. Um, and that's what most injectors like at the trainings. That's what we talk about four months max. Yeah. And it also depends on how fast you metabolize it. Athletes for instance, mm-hmm. will metabolize it super fast. So it might last way less than three months. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. That's just so interesting. I wonder like how people metabolize Botox. It's just so interesting, you know? I'm going to yeah. do a deep dive, you know? Yeah. And then you spoke that there are like different types of neurotoxins. And I'm really curious to know like what makes them different. Cause like yeah. when I was doing like research for this, I saw Botox, Dysport, Javo, and Xeomin. But there's also a new one that just came out like yes. last month, a few weeks ago. I forgot. But like, what are the different types between the four ones that we spoke about, but then also the new one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the four different types, like you said, there's Botox. This is 
on a botulinum toxin A. This one is the heaviest because it has core proteins and accessory proteins. Mm -hmm. This is the OG though, right? Yeah, this is the OG. This has been around the longest. I mean, this is made from the company Allergan. Okay. Yeah. And then we have Dysport, which is from Galderma. So this is abobotulinum toxin A. And then prabobotulinum toxin A is Javot. This is the last, like the newest one before mm -hmm. Daxi came, like just was FDA approved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It hasn't come out yet. It's coming out next year. Wait, the Javot? No, no, Daxify, which oh, okay. is the new one. Okay. Sorry, I'm mm -hmm. jumping around. Um, and then there's Zeomin, Incobotulinum toxin A. This is my favorite because it's uniquely purified to only contain the core protein, there's no accessory proteins. Those have been removed. So in reality, once you reconstitute all of these, the core protein breaks away from the accessory proteins. So okay. all you're left with is that core protein, which is the active component. But a lot of the studies are showing that theoretically, these accessory proteins, it stands for, well, short for NAPs, non-toxic accessory proteins, mm -hmm. theoretically may be contributing to Botox resistance, which some people have, mm -hmm. because it causes the production of neutralizing antibodies against the active neurotoxins. So basically your body's like, hey, what the heck is this? Get this out of here. And we also call this like immunogenic. Yeah. So it increases your risk for an immune response. That's fascinating. I'm really curious to know, like, does that also entail like, how long it lasts in the body too, or there's no science that we know of just yet. I think possibly, I mean, there yeah. are articles on immunogenicity with mm -hmm. botulinum toxin yeah. for sure. So it's like, it's all like theoretical. It could be a bunch of different things, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, lastly, we have Daxify, which is Daxi botulinum toxin A. This is from Revance. Revance is also the company that makes RHA products, which I really love. Those are hyaluronic acid dermal fillers, which we'll save for We're another We're gonna be talking episode. about that in another episode, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. This is a new one. It was just FDA approved recently, which is really exciting. And what's crazy about this product is that it's going to be the first and only neuromodulator that is stabilized with a peptide exchange technology. And this one will last up to nine months. Oh, wow. That's, that that's a while. You go from three to four months to, yeah. it said the medium or the median range of duration for this was six months. So it could be like six to nine months. That's wild. That's that's really interesting. It's so crazy because mm -hmm. it's like one less visits to the aesthetic injector mm -hmm. and less poking that you need to get. Yeah. But the scary thing is, what if you get a botched Botox job? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Right now you have to kind of wait. Like if you get like when, why am I blanking right now? Like when somebody the gets eyelid. like the, the oh, yeah. eyelid droop. Yeah, ptosis. Mm -hmm. And actually you guys, there's other things you can do. Say you were to get a Bosch Botox job, try to go get an NADIV. That can oh. help speed up metabolism. Fascinating. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Fascinating. But otherwise you pretty much have to like wait it out. You can, you might be given eye drops like apneic is oh, yeah. one to mm -hmm. help open up the eye a little mm -hmm. bit. So it doesn't look as wonky. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. wonky. Mm -hmm. But that's the only thing that scares me actually. So I'm really excited to see um, what the literature says. I'm going to keep an eye out on this and we'll do an update. Yeah. On we'll definitely episode. do an update. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. some interesting stuff that I did see in regards to Botox. It seems like it's FDA approved for moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines, while Dysport is FDA approved for moderate to severe frown lines between the eyebrows in adults less than 65 years of age. That's mm -hmm. so interesting. <laughs> so it's like age dependent, you know, while Xeomin is FDA approved for moderate to severe frown lines between the eyebrows as well. So it's really interesting how Dysport is mainly for people mainly people 65 years of age or lower. Yeah, is that interesting. is interesting. Mm -hmm. 
And um, obviously, guys, like with the botulinum toxins, we're using it to treat other areas of the face, but mm-hmm. it would be technically considered off label, mm-hmm. but everyone does it. I hear you. Right. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. And then I know, so like a lot of people are concerned about like the name botulinum toxin, neurotoxin, mm-hmm. toxin, toxin. Toxins. <laughs> Poison. Um, exactly. So it really scares people. But there are some like ways to make sure it's safe, right? So it is a smaller dosage from what I understand when people are like exposed to like Clostridium, which is like the bacteria that makes botulinum toxin. But then there's also like things that providers look out for to make sure it's safe, right? So there's contraindications that like doctors or injectors look out for, right? Yeah. So Botox is definitely not for everyone everyone. Mm-hmm. There are absolute contraindications. So one of them's neuromuscular disorders. This includes myasthenia gravis, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, or also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Lambert-Eaton syndrome is another disorder that is a contraindication. Also having an allergy to the botulinum toxins or human albumin. Pregnancy, obviously mm-hmm. you don't want to get this when you're pregnant and even breastfeeding. There's just not um, a lot of studies in literature. We just don't know the effects during breastfeeding. So it's mm-hmm. just better to stay away from it. Having an active infection at injection sites is an obvious contraindication mm-hmm. and body dysmorphia with mm-hmm. this one. You know, this is pretty big in the aesthetic field. Yeah. So body dysmorphic disorder, BDD for short, this is basically an issue with self-image mm-hmm. where people are so obsessed with a physical feature that they think is defective or hideous, but in reality, everyone else thinks it's normal mm-hmm. or it's pretty minimal. Yeah. So do you want to read about a little bit of the statistics? With yeah. Us? So from what I see is that it's relatively common at around 2% of the general population and it's more common women than men. So it's 60% versus 40% and around 75% of people with body dysmorphic disorder, they seek aesthetic treatments and the condition has been reported in up to 15% of aesthetic dermatology patient populations and up to around half of plastic surgery ones too. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then um, one survey actually found that there is also a high rate of BDD amongst practitioners too. Yeah. I feel like this is more of an issue with fillers, especially when practitioners don't know when to say no to their patients because they think it looks fine. But also sometimes the practitioners might have gotten a little too much done themselves. I hear you. I feel like that's Um, the reason why when... I ask like injectors, like, how do you know if an injector is like the injector you want to see? They're like, look at their face. Is that the kind of face you want? You've heard that from people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. And then here are some questions. Like if you're wondering if you have BDD, obviously there's like a further assessment that needs to be done. But some questions to just think about are, does my physical problem cause me severe distress? Do I spend more than an hour a day worrying about my problem? Do I spend a lot of time trying to change or conceal my problem? Does my problem interfere with my work or relationship with others? And lastly, do I avoid doing things because of a problem? And if you say yes to any of these, then maybe you should work with someone to get a more formal assessment and dive into this because this is more a mental health issue than a physical issue that, you know, could probably be exacerbated with aesthetic treatment to try to fix this. Yeah, I hear you. And then there's also um, the last contraindication for botulinum toxin and neuromodulators, which can be colloidal scarring. This is interesting. When Mm -hmm. I saw you list this, I was like, I haven't heard of that. Um, But then I clicked on the study that you Mm -hmm. linked, or it was the stat pearls. And I was like, huh, but it didn't say why. So I definitely want to look more into that. I mean, I think about like if people are more prone to keloids, it's best to just like not get injections sometimes just because it could 
cause the formation of keloids, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it's such a small needle that's being used. I'm not really sure, like, if that would, like, really cause keloids. But if there's a risk, it'll be best to, like, avoid it. But it's also, like, making sure you really speak to a provider who really understands your personal health and wellness and really having that conversation with them. And then there's also some adverse effects of neurotoxins, which is really interesting. So, of course, there's going to be like the more minor complications, which I did not get when I got my Botox. Good. There's going to be bruising, edema, or pain at the site of injection. I actually did not experience that. Nice. Yeah, it was such a small needle, guys. And then there's going to be more uncommon complications that can include the eyebrow ptosis that you spoke about Mm -hmm. and then blepharotosis as well. And then there's also going to be um, some other complications that include headaches, infections, a cocked eyebrow, ectropion, a decreased strength of eye closure, and xerophthalmia, which is basically dry eye. And then there are some myths. This is going to be the fun part. Okay, so I wrote down some questions that I saw on social media. And then I wanted to really figure out like, okay, like what does science actually show? So the first question that I saw on social media was, does botulinum toxin cause botulism? Uh, Yeah, this is, no, I'm not saying yeah, it does. I'm saying this is definitely a common question, I feel like, Mm -hmm. and a misconception. Botox or botulinum toxin is people think it's like a poison. Like people are like, I don't want to put this poison or this toxin in my body. And I'm just like, sometimes I pick and choose my battles for that day, depending on how I'm feeling. I'm just like, okay. But then other times I'm like, no, no, no. You guys, you realize that there's no actual live raw bacteria being injected. It's purified. Mm -hmm. It goes through like this purification system. Mm -hmm. So there's no live bacteria being injected into your muscles. And actually the lethal dose of Botox is calculated to be 2,500 to 3,000 units for an average 154 pound person. So like what's the amount that people usually get then? I mean, it's like less than 30 units for each muscle. That's big. Some muscles only need like one to two units. So from what it sounds like is that somebody will most likely not experience botulinism. Knock on wood, I've never seen it. And I don't really know how many people <laughs> get that from all the injectors I've talked to. Like no one's ever brought that up. I hear you, I hear yeah. you. But I think again, because it has the word neurotoxin, botulinum mm-hmm. toxin, mm-hmm. like people are scared. I hear you. And I I, mean, it's understandable. I also think about like the other medications that have toxin and then like, like digitoxin, you know, or digoxin. Mm-hmm. But people don't really express much fear with those medications. Right, Right. yeah, Yeah. people don't think about that. And then the second question I saw is, could botulinum toxin spread or diffuse around the area of injection? Okay, this could happen. Okay, I mean, is that why people get like the eye droop? Yeah, Okay. it could, because it leaks down and hits the levator orbicularis muscle. Interesting. Um, so like, how do you, how does somebody prevent that if it does happen? Yeah. So actually let me just talk about the difference between spread and diffusion because it is a little different. Okay. S- spread is more so mechanical. Mm-hmm. So this has to do with the volume of product being injected okay. and the force of injecting. So pretty much like the faster you're pushing the product in, the more product that will come out and the more spread there could be. Okay. Diffusion is all chemical. So this has to do with a higher concentration going to a lower concentration. Okay. So it's like if you put 10 units in 0.1 mLs versus 20 units in 0.1 mLs of the product. Mm -hmm. And units, guys, is like how we dose. Mm -hmm. So it's like a smaller dose versus higher dose in that same amount of the the 0.1 mLs Mm -hmm. in the syringe. So obviously the 20 units within the same volume is going to diffuse a little more than the 10 units would. So that's all chemical. Mm -hmm. 
So basically how you can prevent this is you can't do anything about it. It's up to your injector. It's an injector technique. Mm -hmm. Basically push slow and methodically. But another thing I tell my patients post-treatment, it's really important not to manipulate the area either. Don't wear glasses. Like I try, I know it's sunny out and people wear their sunglasses, but I'm like, don't wear your sunglasses for the next few hours. Don't wear glasses, put contacts in if you can, Mm -hmm. because you don't want to push. Like if we do crow's feet, Oh, the arms of the arm. Yeah, the arms of mm-hmm. your the glasses could hit against oh, where you injected okay. for some mm-hmm. people. And then also like the procerus muscle when you're injecting in between the eyebrows, your 11s, you can uh-huh. push up. Oh. If you push the glasses up, it could hit. So I tell people don't wear your glasses. If we inject forehead, I say don't wear a hat because mm-hmm. we don't want to push it. Yeah, because that might that. cause spread because it's mechanical. Yeah. So we don't, we don't want that to happen. That's just one way to prevent it. I mean, when I got my Botox, I was so scared about getting eye droop. Um, oh, <laughs> and I was like, they were like, don't touch your forehead. I was like, okay, I'm not touching it. I didn't touch yeah. it for two days. Good. Wait, two days. Oh, <laughs> I was, I was also scared to like wash my face. So I didn't wash my forehead for two days and also like the size <laughs> of my eyes. Another thing was that on the internet, since I was just so scared, I like Googled and I was just like, I don't want to get eye droop. So and some people said to like, be upright for at least four to six hours you know oh yeah this is something that a lot of injectors are really not are really saying doesn't really have that effect okay but obviously you don't want to do anything vigorous after like don't do a hard crazy workout Mm -hmm. or like don't go lay down and go to sleep but like yeah that's what i was afraid of so i slept upright Oh, no, by the time, <laughs> and was your appointment during the day? Like you got It was in the evening, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you, I slept up right. As long as you waited like a few hours, you would have been good. I waited six hours. Okay. And then I still slept up right. <laughs> That's funny. I just didn't want an eyelid droop on oh, <laughs> three months, you know? And then the next question that I saw, this is actually about immunity against neuromodulators. So could repeat botulinum toxin treatments cause immunity against neuromodulators where they become less effective? Yeah. Um, antibodies could form in response to botulinum toxin. This is rare, mm-hmm. but it could happen. One of the reasons why I really like Xeomin, for instance, is because it has a lower risk of immunogenicity, okay. according to their studies that they've they've conducted. Participants who got this multiple times or multiple treatments over time, they didn't find like a higher risk for developing Botox resistance or mm-hmm. anything like that, which I really like. Also, another thing is like when large doses of Botox are being given too, this could possibly result in an immune response. Mm-hmm. From what it sounds like, it's like dose dependent because I remember I was like actually looking into a literature and it says that, quote, uh, the overall risk of antibody formation may be minimized by using low doses with the longer feasible interval between injections, end quote. So that's yeah. really interesting. So like small dosages spaced out with longer periods of time in between. Definitely. And one thing I want to note that I think is really important, and here's what I learned too firsthand. Mm-hmm. So just as an atropathic doctor, I want to be like the most conservative. Yeah. Here's the thing though, when you underdose, you're not going to notice anything. It's going to be a waste of money. It's not going to have any effect. So there are certain like minimum dosages for different areas of the face that it might sound scary. Like for instance, 20 units for the frown lines or 11s, that's Mm -hmm. the area between your brows Mm -hmm. is what I typically start with for most people. For me, I can get away with 12 units. 
Asians have shorter corrugator muscles. Oh so yeah, we have the, the anatomy is also really important to consider. Yeah, anatomy. So the procerus is this muscle in the middle and then on each side are what we call the corrugator muscles. So mm-hmm. you're really treating three muscles in that area. So it's 20 units spaced out between the three muscles. So okay. it's really not as bad as it's So it's it around like six units per muscle group from what it sounds well, like. Well, I do four for the procerus. Mm-hmm. There's five injection points pretty okay. much. So mm-hmm. yeah, the corrugators will get like eight. Okay. So yeah, one thing is that duration of the product is dose dependent. So while you might get a lower dose, it might not last the full three to four months. Mm, okay. oh, and it also depends on how fast you're metabolizing it. So just something to keep in mind, because uh-huh. if you're someone who wants to be like frozen, frozen all the time, that's yeah. going to require a higher dose. And you got to think about the consequences yeah. in a way, or if it's like worth the risk. Now, again, Botox resistance is rare, according to the literature and the studies. But some people, you know, they care about that. And it's up to you and up to your injector for you guys to discuss. Yeah. And and then something that I saw a lot of aesthetic nurses post about was about zinc supplementation and botulinum toxin. Have you heard of this one? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So the uh, the question I posed was, does zinc supplementation make botulinum toxin effects last longer? Because that's what they were claiming. So there was... I actually like went into the science, but I first want to like dive into like what nurses were saying. So a 2012 article from Nursing Times said, quote, zinc is thought to be required in order for Botox to act as a neurotoxin. The phytase contained in this new pill, which is the supplement, is an enzyme that can reduce the time it takes for zinc to break down inside the body. Combining the two may, quote, boost, end quotes, the effects of Botox. So that's what they said in this article from Nursing Times. And there was actually a 2021 article, scientific article that speaks about this, which is really interesting. So they basically had 25 participants with excessive gingival display. That's basically medical or science speak for gummy smiles, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they were given BTXA. What is that? It's short for Botox. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> and then, so they were given Botox. Like with, botulinum toxin A. Oh, makes sense. So they were basically given Botox. And the one group was given Botox with um, zinc. And then the other one was given just Botox without zinc um, prior to treatment. And then they were basically um, checked up at 2, 6, 12, 18, and 24 weeks. And then what they basically concluded was that the use of zinc supplementation prior to Botox injection prolonged its effect and maintained long-term decreased amount of gingival display. That's really cool. That is really cool. And I think oh, this is something I need to tell my patients more because like I, I've known this for at least the past year. I just heard about it. Someone like another injector posted about it on Instagram and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I feel like as a naturopathic doctor, I should know this. Yeah. Also going back really quick to yeah. the immunity against mm-hmm. the neuromodulators. Yeah. So one, getting smaller doses as small as you can, but still enough to have an effect, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And then two, spacing it out. So don't come in sooner than three months. Okay. Try to wait at least three months to get your next dose, mm-hmm. which is why I try not to do as many touch-ups in between. Yeah. So you want to wait that out. So taking zinc in between sessions is really great. Oh, interesting. That's actually really cool. And that's very really like naturopathic, you know? Yeah. And then this is the next part that I'm really curious to know your oh, like yeah. opinion on. Okay. okay, so we're naturopathic doctors. We lean more towards natural, but we are integrated providers, so we understand the power of both natural and conventional medicine, right? And then we also want to see a patient holistically, which basically means seeing you as a whole person. Now, as a naturopathic doctor, what are your thoughts on neurotoxins? Like, how does it fit in naturopathic philosophy? 
Obviously, this is kind of controversial with naturopathic medicine and just being a naturopathic doctor. I've definitely gotten the comments from people that were like, I'm so confused. Why is a naturopathic doctor offering this? And obviously I don't push this on patients. I talk about all the treatment options with them. I talk about microneedling or lasers, even though I don't offer lasers, but I know that's a good non-surgical alternative to help address fine lines and wrinkles. Mm -hmm. Botox is an anti-wrinkle injection treatment. So it's really amazing for helping to soften those lines. And you know what? One of the most rewarding things about doing aesthetics, even with Botox, even though the the results aren't like instant, like filler is, Mm -hmm. once people get to that, you know, once it, yeah, once it hits and the results kick in and they're like, oh my gosh, they love it. Because also another thing I forgot to mention is that Botox can help with your pores. It helps shrink yeah, the pores and can make your skin look like really smooth and glowy, which is kind of cool. I noticed that in the forehead, mm-hmm, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when I'm treating people and treating myself, I've noticed that. So people just like really like that. And it helps, it's like a confidence boost. Yeah. It helps with self image. And of course, bringing it back to BDD, there I think there is a line, but like you can still feel good. You can feel confident and want to feel confident and want to look good and want to care about your appearance. I hear you. And if there's something like that, that's non-surgical that you can do and it's not permanent either, then why not? It's yeah. available. I hear you. But when I think about health, right? Yeah. It's like biological, right? Psychological, which you touched on and then sociological. Mm-hmm. So in regards to sociological, it's how do we interact with our community? And if we feel self-conscious, that might actually impact that part of our health, right? I feel like neurotoxins can increase somebody's self-confidence so that they can move around the world easier and really support their overall health, you know, as like when looking at it, like from a biological, psychological, sociological perspective. And like what you said earlier, like you park them, like you tell them what their options are for people who don't know what park is. It's basically plan alternatives, risks, and questions. That's basically what we do with our patients when we present a treatment plan. And the thing, I just think it's just so amazing that you speak about these natural options, like light therapies, like lasers that you spoke about Mm -hmm. to really support like collagen production in the skin therefore um, help out with wrinkles but then also let them know like there's another option so it's like really presenting them from presenting these options from a naturopathic approach because we are integrated providers we see the natural options and also the conventional options so in a sense this is very naturopathic i would say so and you guys naturopathic medicine isn't like oh 100% natural get everything else away from me this is integrative yeah we're trained in pharmaceuticals. You know, we're, we know about the drugs. We learn about it all in school. Mm-hmm. We have prescription rights. Mm-hmm. And of course it varies depending on the state. Exactly, if, there are nuances. Yeah, if mm-hmm. they're regulated in that state or not. Mm-hmm. But in California, we can prescribe under the supervision of an MD or DO. Mm-hmm. So we have the ability. Botox is a prescription medication. Yeah, I can't get it. It's unless like I have that supervision, which we do at the clinic I work yeah, at. I hear you. So yeah. And I'm, I'm, I just want to show you this right now. Yeah. So this is a post that I saw the other day on Instagram. Not the other day. It's probably a couple months ago. And it irks me. This just goes to show, I showed him this Instagram post that I saw. And basically it's pretty much being like, you can't be into wellness if you get Botox, which I don't agree with. Yeah. I I don't agree with that at all. That's Um, a very extreme uh, opinion and it doesn't consider the nuances in the middle. It's that, that opinion is very black or white, right? It doesn't see the gray zone. And when we think about wellness, wellness is, it's basically things that make you feel good and things that 
support your health, right? Mm -hmm. And when looking at health, like what I said earlier, it's more than just biological. It's also psychological and sociological. So Mm -hmm. that's what I think health is. And that's what I feel like wellness should be. And I feel like there's so many other things that we're exposed to on a daily basis that... I feel like, I don't know, more toxic or could be more toxic or important to address than say you want to get an aesthetic treatment every few months or like four to six months. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention is when you're actively treating fine lines and wrinkles with Botox, whether it's Botox cosmetic, Dysport, Xeomin, it all applies. It's all all the same. You actively want to get treatments done every three to four months. And then once you're happy with the softening of your fine lines and how your skin's looking, you can move on to maintenance treatments of one treatment every four to six months. Okay. So basically be consistent until you get the goal or you achieve the goal that you want. And once you achieve that goal, space things out. Yeah. It's like going to the gym for your skin. You got to like maintain it. It's not just like a one treatment and done. I and I feel like this applies to like other skin treatments too out there. Yeah. Like skin PRP, PRP, so PRP things, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, thanks for sharing that because I know a lot of people speak to you or question that, right? Yeah, people Um, will still probably question these answers and not agree, but that's okay because there's still going to be people out there who are super into health and wellness, super fit, and they still want to get Botox because they love how it makes them feel. Exactly. But if you don't want it, that's okay too. There's so many great aesthetic treatment alternatives out there. Yeah, and we're actually going to speak more about aesthetic treatments this season, which I'm so stoked about. Yeah, we're going to be talking about filler episode we're gonna be talking about microneedling in another episode it's gonna be also cool guys so make sure to subscribe to this podcast okay but that's basically our episode today oh it was fun you are so knowledgeable about <laughs> botulinum toxin neurotoxin neuromodulators they're all the same thing kind of right yeah uh, i try i'm like you know i'm still learning i'll admit that i'm not an expert i'm i'm still learning every day i'm still improving my injection technique trying to keep up with the literature what other advanced injectors are doing because there's so much growth and change. Like I hear the injectors, advanced injectors talk about all the time. They're like, there's so many mistakes I made when I first started injecting. Mm -hmm. And now we're teaching you guys. So you don't start off on that wrong foot like us. I hear you. And it's really interesting because I was speaking to my friend Vanessa, actually, who Mm -hmm. we interviewed last season. And she was speaking about how the philosophy and injecting has changed. And then depending upon where you are globally, the way it's injecting or the way it's injected is different Mm -hmm. too. So it's really combining different philosophies and just like seeing what works best for your patients, Dr. Marola, and then like seeing what other people do. It's just like, it's a practice at the end of the day, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. All righty guys. Thank you so much for listening. It was a fun, fun episode. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Like what I said, we're going to be doing some fun stuff this season. Fun, fun stuff. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on social media as well. So our Instagram handles will be in the podcast description below and also our websites as well. If you do want to see us in office, wink, if you want to get like, uh, what is it, neuromodulator or neurotoxin injections, check out Dr. Marola. And then if you found this podcast helpful, make sure to share it with your friends and family, especially if they're like concerned about some of these myths that they're seeing on social media, the internet, share this with them because I really hope that it is illuminating at the end of the day. Um, And next week, we're going to be talking about fall time skincare, right? And also like some procedures. We're going back in procedures. What procedures to do or not to do in the fall slash autumn. Alrighty, guys. See ya. See you next week.